it's important to you and you work hard to make it look nice. Raise your hand. Okay? All right? Raise your hand if you don't care at all what it looks like. Wow. Wow. All right. I like grass in my yard. I have to keep clarifying now for you sinners. Check this out, right? I wish that was my yard, and that was me, but it's not, okay? That's not my yard. But I do try to mow lines in my yard. Does anyone try to mow lines in your yard? If anybody's online, we don't have a lot of people here tonight jumping on with me. So if you're online and you like to cut your grass and you like to mow lines in your yard, please jump in here and bail me out here because there's not a lot of people. There's only about eight here that are with me that are, are important with the lines in their grass. Well, if you want to mow, my mom always kind of makes fun of me. Like, you and your grass, you and your grass. Like, And then my wife has to remind me, we're raising kids, not grass. And I'm like, okay. And so... And then they're like, let's buy four-wheelers or a UTV. And I'm like, but the grass, no. And so, ah, so like there's internal struggle. Um, but to look at this, how in the world does this happen? Do any children know how you get those lines in the grass? Who, who raised their hand? Jude, you raise your hand? Tell me, what, what do you do? Okay, that's a good guess. Anyone else? That's, that's kind of, you will see tire tracks, but it's actually, and we actually have somebody that owns a landscape company and cuts grass. They probably should be the one talking more than I, because I might say something wrong, and he's going to be like, oh, I'm leaving this church. He doesn't know anything about grass. Um, <laughs> but, all right, thank you, thank you. But they have like, ro like kits, striping kits that you can put on the back of your mower. And really what happens is you bend the blades of grass one way and then you come back and you bend the blades of grass the other way. So when you look at it, you will see the blades of grass being turned one way versus another and it forms these nice lines. Now, here's the thing. Look at this yard. Again, not my yard, not my house. Um, but those are some angled lines. Anybody ever been to a ball game? And you can see they do different, different lines in the outfield and stuff. And it's, it's a lot of, you can do a lot of really cool things. But here's the thing. When you get the lines, you have to start somewhere. And then you can't, you can't be like, hey, oh, look, there's the dog. Oh, well, we've got to get back over here. It'll look pretty nuts. And so you have to stay like, okay, if I'm going to start mowing straight, I'm going to go this. And then if you have a zero turn, you go like this, and you come back this way, and you got to make sure that you're staying straight. Otherwise, people are going to come up and be like, what were you trying to do in your yard? <laughs> Too much grass. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> so then you turn around and straight lines, right? Now, if you want to go on an angle, you will go like this, kind of like this carpet until you hit the next one. And then, but then you, you can go on an angle like this, and it bends the blades of grass to give it a really nice look like this. But notice, if you were mowing this grass, children, 
If you were mowing this grass, where would you start? Like, if it was time to mow this grass, Brayden, where are you starting? Okay, but where in the yard are you going to start? The very front. Meaning what? Closest to the house? And where will you go from the house? To the sidewalk. To the sidewalk. So you'll start at the sidewalk? Interesting. You see, that's a pretty good, what were you going to say? start from the biggest part of the yard. Okay. Okay. So, if you want to start, if lines are important, here's where we would want to start. You want to start with something that doesn't change. What on this picture probably is not going to change? Sidewalk? The driveway? Something that provides a straight line on which is always going to be our measuring point. So I'm not going to just come out and start at that tree and be like, yeah, let's go this way. And even if you did that, you might get lines. Because once you get the line from the tree, you can just follow that line. But are you starting at the front of the tree, the back of the tree? Which, which one is the front of the tree and which one is the back of the tree? Side of the tree, are you going left side or right side, depending on what point of view, from the front door or from the street? So how are you going to cut this grass? Well, you have to have something that doesn't change, that if I'm going to go straight, I'm going to stay. My first line, if I'm going to go straight, vertical lines, I'm, I'm, I'm going right alongside the driveway. Or if I'm going to go on an angle, maybe I'm going to start from where the driveway and the sidewalk meet, and I'm going to go on angles like this. There has to be a starting point. There has to be somewhere that allows us to follow the pattern. And so tonight, for just a little bit, I want to talk on this topic, the pattern of truth. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, in your presence. God, you're awesome. You're great and greatly to be praised, Lord. Keep your hand on each and every one of us. Speak through me to us tonight that, Lord, that you would just especially speak not only to all of us, but especially to our children who are up here tonight for a special service, God. In your name we pray. Amen, amen. So for just a couple minutes, for a little bit tonight, I'm going to talk about the fact that looking at comparing your life to grass. Now, how in the world are we going to compare our lives to grass, okay? There are going to be times in your life that you're going to take twists and turns, that you're going to feel like you're going this way, and then you're going this way, and then you're going to feel like you're going this way, and, and there's going to be ups and downs and twists and turns. But how do you know which pattern to follow? In, if one week we start mowing alongside the driveway and the next week we're mowing away from the driveway and we're not actually following anything that's static or in one place, you might have lines, but they're going to be all over the place. And so in order to get good, consistent lines, this guy's probably been mowing like this week in and week out for years. Okay, when it comes to actually living our lives what pattern is our, are we following? I would ask, where is our driveway? Where is our, our sidewalk, our fence? How do we make sure that we stay in a straight line? What should we look to in order to follow a pattern in all of life's there and back and that way and this way and up and down and around? It's not just about formulating a pattern, but it's about making sure that the pattern is, is, is staying with something static, solid. 
And if I don't use the driveway, the sidewalk, or the fence, then my pattern will change every time I mow. Because when I look at these things, these things are unchanging. They're immovable. They always remain. Children, does that sound familiar to you at all when I say the driveway and the, side, and the, the, driveway and the sidewalk, that they are unchanging, immovable. They're all, they, don't, they don't change. Anything sound, does that sound like anything else we know? Titus? That doesn't sound like anything else we know? Jude? Okay. Listen to Scripture. Psalm 119, 98, 89, I'm sorry. Your eternal word, O Lord, stands firm in heaven. It doesn't move. Speaking of grass, Isaiah 40 and 8, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. So what stands forever? What's immovable? Okay. And you know what else? We think mower blades are sharp. Don't ever put your hand or foot by a mower blade. Hopefully everyone knows that. I might be preparing people that you're going to be able to hire, bro. So I'm helping you out here. Okay. But don't ever put your hand or foot by a mower blade because those blades are sharp. But you know what's sharper than the blades? Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged grass cutting blade. Cutting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. When we expose ourselves to God's word, that mower just goes boom, 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 and just cuts through grass like it's nothing. But when, you're, when the word of God comes into our life, it reaches down and it cuts down right deep into here and it, and it exposes the things inside of us. Matthew 24, 35 says, heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. The word of God, the Bible, this is what provides the pattern for our life. It's the driveway. It's the sidewalk. It's what we say, okay, I'm going to start this journey. And instead of just randomly starting somewhere in my yard, I'm going to start right along this driveway so that I know where the straight line needs to be for me. Psalm 119, 105 says, his word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Did you see that? This writer of Psalm 119 says, the word of God is a lamp that guides us. Just like the driveway or the sidewalk of that picture guides us. It's the Bible that should give us clarity about where the line should be. But here, listen to me here for a moment. I'm not going to take too long tonight, but let me talk openly with everybody tonight about, especially again, children, some of your greatest challenges, and even youth too, is as you're growing up, but this is for adults also, the society in which we live is emphasizing the Bible less and less and less. So not everybody went to church when I was growing up a couple years ago. Not everybody was going to church, but people still respected the Bible. You would have arguments about 
whether there was one God or triune God or which way to be baptized, things like that. But there weren't a lot of arguments like, forget God, that doesn't mean anything. That's just a book. Like, those people were more few and far between. But now, you guys are going to school. The people teaching some of your classes are saying that book isn't real. And so you're dealing with a different world than what we dealt with. And so there are people in our society that say, hey, the Bible is not a real book. The Bible is no longer mentioned or taught in schools. Many are now saying it's an ancient book. It's not applicable to where we live today. The principles in that book are out of date. It's a book that does not have the power that it claims to have. Has anyone ever heard this? And so many people are believing these things, and it's hard because some of the people who say these things might be, in your case, it might be people who you love, people who you respect, people who you look to for instruction or watch or listen to for entertainment. In some cases, these people might be your principal, your college instructor, a boss at a job, a teacher at a school, neighbors, good friends, family members. It might even be parents or siblings that say, ah, I don't put much faith in that book. And when people we love and respect start saying the Bible's not true, it's an ancient book, its principles are out of date, they're, they're essentially saying, hey, you can mow in whatever lines you want. You make your own pattern. And so now you're in your life, you're like, well, the preacher and the Sunday school teacher and the youth pastor, they're saying one thing, but then when I go out here to school or to college or to work, they're telling me that, that, that that's not the case. And so at some point, you guys got to get old enough and mature enough where you go, I'm going to make my own decision. And I'm here that hopefully I'll say something tonight that'll cause you to say, in making your own decision, you know what you need to do is make sure you start following the line of the driveway as you start your pattern. Because the Bible is what provides that straight line. The Bible is what is going to be absolute truth. In a world where we live, people say there is no absolute truth. You can decide what's true for you. She'll decide what's true for her. And, then, and you can decide what's true. And we can all just decide our own level of truth. But that's not the case. The, the one thing that has withstood all of the test of time is the holy word of God. Because... Unlike any other books, other books were written by authors. I got to write a book. I was honored to write a book. Some of you have it. If you don't, what's wrong with you? You got to buy my book. But, but my book, I believe it was inspired by God. It was, that's nice. It was inspired by God, this book. But it is not infallible. It's not the word of God. It was inspired by God but it's not the infallible word of God. And so every other author who's ever written anything throughout all of time, and there's some really good authors who have wrote some really good things, but there's only one author who has wrote a book that is infallible. It's inerrant. You won't find errors in it. You won't find contradictions in it. The word of God is alive and powerful. And so... This can cause confusion when someone we love, respect, or we adhere to for teaching. I'm not saying disrespect your teachers, your principals, none of that. The scripture even says the opposite. I think we need to respect those who teach us and train us. 
But what happens if they start to talk about things that go against the word of God? That's where we go. Hold it. I love and respect you, but this is something where I disagree. Even with somebody that you love and respect. Because the word of God stands forever. Because right now, if, if, if one of your friends, if one of your, if one of your friends came to you and they said the question, what, what is truth? How do you answer that? Youth, children, what, what, I mean, what, what, what do you say when someone comes to you and goes, what's truth? The longer you take the answer, the longer the service goes. Something that you can put faith in because you know it's not going to fail. Okay. Anyone else? What is truth? Truth is when uh, you believe in something and it's when there's something in your soul that's powerful. Truth is like when, like, I can't explain it. Truth is something that is right and is right with God and, like, is true thing. Like, you All right. Okay, truth. Truth, we might look at it as facts, okay? So truth, I know you, I, I might, some of you haven't even gotten behind me or excited about anything I said. You're, I'm getting ready to get you excited right here. So truth, the Kansas City Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions. That's truth. That's, that, that's truth. Truth, he mentioned the Broncos. The Broncos might have made one of the worst trades in NFL history. That's truth. Truth. The Green Bay Packers beat the Kansas City Chiefs for the first Super Bowl in NFL history. That's truth. Notice, now I'm glorifying past years as a Packer fan. But if someone asks this question, what is truth? Well, guess what? In the scripture, somebody did ask this question. Okay? Jesus is being put on trial right before his crucifixion. The Jewish leaders take Jesus to a man named Pilate. And Jesus, Pilate, he's examining Jesus, asking him a lot of questions. And look at one of Pilate's statements, John 18, 37. Pilate said, so you are a king. And Jesus responded, he says, I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize what I say Hold on here. You reading that? Jesus says, everyone who knows truth will recognize that what I say is truth. So the, Jesus himself claims that his words, the word of God is truth. And Pilate then does the same thing that when you try to say in school, the word of God is true. Pilate responds in the next verse and says what? What is truth? 
And then he went out again and he says, he, this guy's not guilty of any crime because he saw what he needed and he says he doesn't deserve to be crucified. Of course, he ends up washing his hands and Jesus does get crucified. Thankfully for all of us, our sins are washed away, can be washed away, forgiven. But Pilate, he brings something. What, where you're living right now, even though it feels like it's totally different than any other time in human history, it's really not. You have different issues and different things being discussed, but when you study history, you will find that it's just repeating itself over and over again. That's why Ecclesiastes says there is no new thing under the sun. And so right now, you might say, yeah, but people are always challenging me about truth. It's always been the case. That's why you got to know in your heart, hey, do you stand for truth? What is truth? You got to figure out what is truth in my life? And it's more than just sporting events or facts and figures or two plus twos. It's got to be the fact that, you know what? No, something has to provide the sidewalk in the driveway by which I start to make a pattern in my life. And so you can go through life and go, well, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to live that. I'm, I'm going to serve this. I'm not going to serve that. And you can make all these choices. But at some point, you're going to start drawing your own lines. And your lines are, are drawn next to something. To some people, they're drawing their lines next to the Holy Bible. To someone else, as, as Sister Kendra mentioned, maybe it's, maybe it's Taylor Swift or something. That's, I'm saying that's, that, this is where people are drawing their lines. What is truth to you? We're living in a world where people we respect, some teaching in schools, some leading this country and our government, many people who are acting out movies and TV shows and singing songs that we buy or download on Apple Music or stream, they believe and teach that truth is relative, that you get to dictate what truth is, that as you get older, you can just do whatever you want, mow the lawn in whatever pattern you want. It doesn't really matter. But I'm here to say, I pray to God that's something that I say tonight, even if you're sitting and acting like you're not listening, I pray to God that something sinks into your brain tonight that says, my God, I'm always going to stand with truth. And truth for me is the word of God. Don't ever buy into this lie that no matter how many people say it, how many people teach it, how many people preach it, that the Bible's not absolute. The Bible is absolute truth. It shows us where to start the lines. It provides clarity about what the pattern should look like. The Bible's more than just a collection of stories or a bunch of rules or old, out, uh, outdated or old-fashioned material. The Bible's alive. Scripture says it itself. It's alive. It's sharper than the more blades. It's sharper than the two-edged sword. It's sharper. It pierces down into our very hearts. When you sit in Sunday school classes or messages like this, it's piercing down to your soul. My dad, I could tell you stories about him teaching Bible studies. This one guy would just sit in there and he'd cross his hands like this. And my dad was always like, uh, did you like it? He's like, it's fine. Just, and he would, he would just sit there and just act like nothing was happening. But over the course of 10, 12 weeks, he sat in Bible studies. And God's word penetrated his heart. And it touched his soul. It pierced down to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow like scripture talks about. And that man was baptized and filled with God's spirit. When you teach a Bible study, you just got to know if you're teaching a P7 club, if you're teaching children, you're teaching youth, you're going out and teaching people that you work with. If, in that 
that's why, too, we need to be here on Wednesdays and on Sundays. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If you're just going, yeah, I occasionally show up on a Sunday, I skip Wednesdays. Why? Faith is being built when God's word is going forth. We need to get into church and Bible studies and small groups every time that doors open up or opportunities open. We got to get ourselves exposed to the word of God because that is what gets the root of truth deep down in our soul. There's a ton of different churches and denominations and religions. How do you know the one you're going to is the right one? How do you know the one you're going to is right? There's all kinds of people out there teaching all kinds of different things. What is truth? Truth cannot be dictated by what a preacher says, a bishop says, a pope says, a deacon says, a monk says. The only person who has the right to define what truth is, is the person from whom truth emanates, who created truth. That's the only person that has a right to define truth. And so we go to John chapter one. It says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, that of the glory of the only begotten son. What, who, what are we talking about here? It, it, makes a, it does not make a distinction. God and his word are the same thing. You can't say, well, you got God and you got his word and you got that. No, no, no. The word is true. The word is God. God is truth, okay? It, he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, I know people want to dissect this, logos, this, and all that. No, no, no. Just take it at face value. The word is God. God it is word. They can't be separated. And you want to know what truth is? Truth is the word of God. So, yeah, we love Bible quiz, and we call people up. They remember this. Here's a, here's, a, here's a trophy, and they face these people, and they went 5-0 oh, or 4-2 or 3-2 or 4-1, whatever. No, no, no. What is happening is truth is being hid in the heart of some young child or youth. That's what Bible quizzing, winning's fun, the trophy's fun, hanging out is fun, absolutely, but truth is being hid in the heart. That is what matters. Why? Because at some point, truth in your life, you're going to be challenged on truth. You're going to be challenged for what you believe, and if you haven't already, most of you, especially when you're youth, you're going to public school, you've been challenged already. Don't waver. Don't let anybody get you to question and go, yeah, I, want, I wonder. Yeah, I'm just not sure. Faith needs to be built. You know where faith is built? You're only going to start questioning that when you're getting away from the word. You're getting out of the word. You're getting away from him. I've no, I haven't met a lot of people that are like, I'm just starting to question truth. I, th- I don't think I need this anymore. Who have been praying, fasting, reading his word, in his word, studying his word, teaching his word. That happens when we start to drift away from it. And we start to visit other, and then other people are saying this. And we start to listen to all these different voices, which Paul, this is the reason why Paul said, mark them, avoid them, which teach anything contrary than what we taught. That wasn't being Paul being insecure as an apostle. That was him going, the word of God is the only thing that's alive. And there's a lot of deceptive beliefs. Even back then, first century, even back then, there's a lot of deceptive beliefs. 
how do you know that your church is the true or the one or the or has 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 a monopoly on truth? Your church doesn't have a monopoly meaning. They're not the only church that has truth. But you know, I believe it's first John that says, Hereby know we the spirit of truth and of error. Does your church teach what the apostles taught? You know, there's a lot of churches in our world that say, oh, that book of the Acts of the Apostles, that's just a history book. That's much more than a book on just historical facts. That shows the way that God poured out his spirit on people, the way people were baptized, the plan of salvation God has for people, that God can still perform miracles, signs, and wonders. See, you want to start reading the Bible? You want to start getting into truth? You know where I tell you to start? Start with the book of Acts. Look at the way the New Testament church was born and built. And you'll find some really incredible things about truth. But here it is. What is truth? It's found first and foremost in the Bible, the word of God. And as you stand to your feet tonight, God's word. For some of you, you know, this is basic. Even for children, for youth, you might be like, yeah, 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 the Bible's true. Trust the word of God. But I want something, something to be said. Something to be said that just sticks with us. That just stays in our head and in our brain. That goes, hey, I'm going to be challenged on this. People are going to challenge me on this. Not everybody you meet is going to go, oh, you go to church, you believe the Bible? That's awesome, cool. That's, I really respect that. You're going to get a lot of people that go, you believe that? That's some ancient book written by somebody a long time ago. You believe that stuff? You think that stuff will really change you? And that's where you have to know more than just head knowledge. You have to, you have to know more than just being able to quote some scriptures. You got to be able to look at them with passion in your heart and say, my life has been changed by this. This is more than memorizing facts and figures. I personally have been a sinner and still fight it sometimes, but I serve a God of grace. I went to a place where I repented of my sins. I had my sins washed away in the name of Jesus. I was filled supernaturally with the Spirit of God and spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave me utterance. I'm in a pursuit of a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. It's more than just memorizing lines and words in a book, but for me, it's, it's, it's listen to this, it's about a pattern. It's about going, I'm, no, this is, if I'm on this journey of back and forth and all these things just like this, I want to start somewhere. Otherwise, where do I know where the lines are? Where do I know where to live the pattern of my life? I'm going to start right here along the sidewalk, and I'm just going to keep in a straight line. I'm going to keep this pattern. And so what provides the pattern for us? It's the Word of God. God has provided us with 66 different books. When you say, God, I just wish you would talk to me, I wonder if he's ever like, hey, I've talked to you so much, you ain't even reading the letters I gave to you. Oh, God, I just wish I could hear your voice. He's like, what? Man, I, I, people 
died giving their lives to preserve that book that I have entrusted to your hand. And you ain't touched it in years. He's probably looking at us going, grab it, open it up, read what I gave you. Do you know 66 different books, 1,189 chapters, 31,102 verses, over 783,000 words, more than three and a half million letters. He has put in a book and it's available online in different translations, in children's Bible, New Living, ESV, KJV, NKJV. You can just go on and on and on and on and on. Whatever suits you. You can look at some graphics with pictures. You can get a children's story Bible, a children's study Bible. There's no reason why any of us should not be in the Word of God. There's no reason why any of us should not be able to say, I know what truth is. I spend time in truth every single day of my life. And so church, children, youth, adults, Sister Tanya mentioned that we're a multi-generational church, that one generation ministers to the next generation. The day that that stops, here's the day that that stops. When one of the generations stops loving truth, Which generation here tonight is going to stop loving truth? Is it the children up to the age of 10? Do I have 7, 8, 9, 10-year-olds? Are you guys going to stop loving truth? Is it the 10 to the 20-year-olds? Are you guys going to stop loving truth? Is it the 20 to the 30-year-olds, the hyphen age, are you going to stop loving truth? 30 to 40? 40 to 50, 50 to 60, 60 to 70, 70 to 80. I wish we had more people like Sister Waller that couldn't even contain herself right now when she just said, no. I don't find that funny. I find it awesome. We gotta be, we gotta be the ones that say, over my dead body, my generation will never stop loving truth. I want children that are under the age of 10 to be able to say, you know what? I don't even know if I fully understand everything yet, but I know this. I love truth. I'm going to always stand with the Word of God. If everyone tells me the Bible's not true, I'm not going to believe it. I'm going to keep loving God's Word. And when you love something, you spend time with it. We can't say we love God's Word and then we only listen to it on Sundays from a pulpit. When If we love God, God's Word. we got to spend time with God's Word, in God's Word, studying God's Word. I don't want to be the generation that says, yeah, truth, we used to be a multi-generational church, but somewhere along the line, we just let go of truth and things got a little haywire. No, we got to be the one that says, as for my generation, not just my house, my generation, I'm going to take it upon my shoulders. I'm going to personally be responsible that says, my generation is going to keep loving truth. I know I grew up in a generation. I have friends in their 40s who started to look for quicker ways to build churches, for quicker ways to retain people, for maybe keeping some of the external things or the consecration or the holiness or the separation or the sanctification. And maybe let's go a quicker route or an easier route or one that might get the pews filled faster. That's not truth. I'm 
going to be one that says, not over, not over my dead body. If I'm one of the last few in my generation, my generation will not give up truth. So I'm preaching to youth and I'm preaching to children. I'm preaching to adults. I'm preaching to all the generations. Will truth die with you or will you continue to be a multi-generational church where truth lives on from one generation to the next? Here's how you're going to know. Will you love the Bible? Will the Bible provide the driveway on which the lines are driven in your grass? Will the Bible, will the sidewalk, but will the Bible be the sidewalk, the unmovable, solid, static thing that provides the truth for your life? Oh, church, I invite you to find a place to pray today, to not only recommit to Jesus, but recommit to his word, to recommit to truth in a generation where it seems like truth is just relative. No, it's not. I don't care how loud, how many politicians say it, how many singers sing about it, how many actors act about it. It's not the truth. The truth is only one thing. There's only one source of absolute truth, and that is the holy word of God that became and dwelt among us. Oh, recommit to the Word. Recommit to the Bible. I want, you want to know what truth is? It's the Word of God. Jesus looked at Pilate and said, if people know me, they'll know truth. God help us. Help all the generations of this church. Lord, more than, more than them being good singers, or talented musicians, more than being excellent speakers, people who know how to worship or build churches. Lord Jesus, that is all wonderful. But Lord God, I pray right now that we would have generations, these young children even, generations that will say, you know what? I'm going to love truth. I'm going to know the word. I'm going to study the word. I'm going to fall in love with the word. I'm going to love Jesus. I'm going to love his word. I'm going to get in the word. I'm going to study it. I'm going to apply it to my life. When everybody else might be saying, oh, it's not really necessary. That's not needed. That's not still for today. No, 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 not on my watch. The Bible's going to be preached. The Bible's going to be taught. The Bible's going to be lived out. It's our only source of absolute truth. And when everybody's pushing against it, I'm going to stand for it. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to teach it. If it puts me in prison like it did in the first century church. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to roll over. I'm not going to just stop. I'm not just going to be a shy and away from preaching and living out truth, God. Help the generations, Lord, starting even with the young, all the way to the older, Lord Jesus. Help us to fall in love fresh with the Word of God. Help us, Lord, to embrace truth that is found in your Word more than ever before.